part nine mademoiselle de scuderi section eleven of weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bealby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part nine mademoiselle de scuderi a tale of the times of louis the fourteenth section eleven but now the thing was to get at the king and this was the most difficult part of all to accomplish since he believed that brusson alone was the formidable assassin who for so long a time had held all paris enthralled by fear and anxiety and accordingly he had conceived such an abhorrence of him that he burst into a violent fit of passion at the slightest allusion to the notorious trial de maintenon faithful to her principle of never speaking to the king on any subject that was disagreeable refused to take any steps in the affair and so brusson's fate rested entirely in de scuderi's hands after long deliberation she formed a resolution which she carried into execution as promptly as she had conceived it putting on a robe of heavy black silk and hanging cardiac's valuable necklace round her neck and clasping the bracelets on her arms and throwing a black veil over her head she presented herself in de maintenon's salons at a time when she knew the king would be present there this stately robe invested the venerable lady's noble figure with such majesty as could not fail to inspire respect even in the mob of idle loungers who were wont to collect in anterooms laughing and jesting in frivolous and irreverent fashion they all shyly made way for her and when she entered the salon the king himself in his astonishment rose and came to meet her as his eyes fell upon the glitter of the costly diamonds in the necklace and bracelets he cried pon my soul that's cardiac's jewellery then turning to de maintenon he added with an arch smile see marchioness how our fair bride mourns for her bridegroom oh your majesty broke in de scuderi taking up the jest and carrying it on would it indeed beseem a deeply sorrowful bride to adorn herself in this splendid fashion no i have quite broken off with that goldsmith and should never think about him more were it not that the horrid recollection of him being carried past me after he had been murdered so often recurs to my mind what do you say asked the king what you saw the poor devil Durskuderi now related in a few words how she chanced to be near cardiac's house just as the murder was discovered as yet she did not allude to brusson's being mixed up in the matter she sketched madelon's excessive grief told what a deep impression the angelic child made upon her and described in what way she had rescued the poor girl out of Gray's hands amid the approving shouts of the people then came the scenes with la Reynie, with Gray, with brusson the interest deepening and intensifying from moment to moment the king was so carried away by the extraordinary graphic power and burning eloquence of mademoiselle's narration that he did not perceive she was talking about the hateful trial of the abominable wretch brusson he was quite unable to utter a word all he could do was to let off the excess of his emotion by an exclamation from time to time ere he knew where he was he was so utterly confused by this unprecedented tale which he had heard that he was unable to order his thoughts Durskuderi was prostrate at his feet imploring pardon for olivier brusson 
what are you doing burst out the king taking her by both hands and forcing her into a chair what do you mean mademoiselle this is a strange way to surprise me oh it's a terrible story who will guarantee me that brusson's marvellous tale is true whereupon de scuderi replied moisson's evidence an examination of cardillac's house my heartfelt conviction and oh madelon's virtuous heart which recognized the like virtue in unhappy brusson's just as the king was on the point of making some reply he was interrupted by a noise at the door and turned round louvois who during this time was working in the adjoining apartment looked in with an expression of anxiety stamped upon his features the king rose and left the room following louvois the two ladies both de scuderi and de maintenon regarded this interruption as dangerous for having been once surprised the king would be on his guard against falling a second time into the trap set for him nevertheless after a lapse of some minutes the king came back again after traversing the room once or twice at a quick pace he planted himself immediately in front of de scuderi and throwing his arms behind his back said in almost an undertone yet without looking at her i should very much like to see your madelon mademoiselle replied oh my precious liege what a great great happiness your condescension will confer upon the poor unhappy child oh the little girl only waits a sign from you to approach to throw herself at your feet then she tripped towards the door as quickly as she was able in her heavy clothing and called out on the outside of it that the king would admit madelon cardillac and she came back into the room weeping and sobbing with overpowering delight and gladness de scuderi had foreseen that some such favour as this might be granted and so had brought madelon along with her and she was waiting with the marchioness's lady-in-waiting with a short petition in her hands that had been drawn up by dundee after a few minutes she lay prostrate at the king's feet unable to speak a word the throbbing blood was driven quicker and faster through the poor girl's veins owing to anxiety nervous confusion shy reverence love and anguish her cheeks were dyed with a deep purple blush her eyes shone with bright pearly tears which from time to time fell through her silken eyelashes upon her beautiful lily-white bosom the king appeared to be struck with the surprising beauty of the angelic creature he softly raised her up making a motion as if about to kiss the hand which he had grasped but he let it go again and regarded the lovely girl with tears in his eyes thus betraying how great was the emotion stirring within him de maintenon softly whispered to mademoiselle isn't she exactly like la valliere the little thing there's hardly a pin's difference between them the king luxuriates in the most pleasing memories your cause is one notwithstanding the low tone in which de maintenon spoke the king appeared to have heard what she said a fleeting blush passed across his face his eyes wandered past de maintenon he read the petition which madelon had presented to him and then said mildly and kindly i am quite ready to believe my dear child that you are convinced of your lover's innocence but let us hear what the chamber ardent has got to say to it with a gentle wave of the hand he dismissed the young girl who was weeping as if her heart would break to her dismay de scuderi observed that the recollection of la valliere however beneficial it had appeared to be at first 
had occasioned the king to alter his mind as soon as de maintenon mentioned her name perhaps the king felt he was being reminded in a too indelicate way of how he was about to sacrifice strict justice to beauty or perhaps he was like the dreamer when on somebody's shouting to him the lovely dream images which he was about to clasp quickly vanish away perhaps he no longer saw his la valliere before his eyes but only thought of louise the sister of mercy the name la valliere had assumed on joining the carmelite nuns who worried him with her pious airs and repentance what else could they now do but calmly wait for the king's decision meanwhile count moisson's deposition before the chamber ardente had become publicly known and as it frequently happens that the people rush so readily from one extreme to another so on this occasion he whom they had at first cursed as a most abominable murderer and had threatened to tear to pieces they now pitied even before he ascended the scaffold as the innocent victim of barbarous justice now his neighbours first began to call to mind his exemplary walk of life his great love for madelon and the faithfulness and touching submissive affection which he had cherished for the old goldsmith considerable bodies of the populace began to appear in a threatening manner before la Reynie's palace and to cry out give us olivier brusson he is innocent and they even stoned the windows so that la Reynie was obliged to seek shelter from the enraged mob with the marechaussee several days passed and mademoiselle heard not the least intelligence about olivier brusson's trial she was quite inconsolable and went off to madame de maintenon but she assured her that the king maintained a strict silence about the matter and it would not be advisable to remind him of it then when she went on to ask with a smile of singular import how little la valliere was doing de scuderi was convinced that deep down in the heart of the proud lady there lurked some feeling of vexation at this business which might entice the susceptible king into a region whose charm she could not understand mademoiselle need therefore hope for nothing from de maintenon at last however with dandilly's help de scuderi succeeded in finding out that the king had had a long and private interview with count moisson further she learned that bontemps the king's most confidential valet and general agent had been to the conciergerie and had an interview with brusson also that the same bontemps had one night gone with several men to cardillac's house and there spent a considerable time claude patru the man who inhabited the lower story maintained that they were knocking about overhead all night long and he was sure that olivier had been with them for he distinctly heard his voice this much was therefore at any rate certain that the king himself was having the true history of the circumstances inquired into but the long delay before he gave his decision was inexplicable la Reynie would no doubt do all he possibly could to keep his grip upon the victim who was to be taken out of his clutches and this annihilated every hope as soon as it began to bud a month had nearly passed when de maintenon sent word to mademoiselle that the king wished to see her that evening in her salons Scuderi's heart beat high she knew that brusson's case would now be decided she told poor madelon so who prayed fervently to the virgin and the saints that they would awaken in the king's mind a conviction of brusson's innocence 
yet it appeared as though the king had completely forgotten the matter for in his usual way he dallied in graceful conversation with the two ladies and never once made any allusion to poor brusson at last bontemps appeared and approaching the king whispered certain words in his ear but in so low a tone that neither de maintenon nor de scudere could make anything out of them mademoiselle's heart quaked then the king rose to his feet and approached her saying with brimming eyes i congratulate you mademoiselle your protege olivier brusson is free the tears gushed from the old lady's eyes unable to speak a word she was about to throw herself at the king's feet but he prevented her saying go go mademoiselle you ought to be my advocate in parliament and plead my causes for by saint denis there's nobody on earth could withstand your eloquence and yet he continued and yet when virtue herself has taken a man under her own protection is he not safe from all base accusations from the chamber ardent and all other tribunals in the world Scuderi now found words and poured them out in a stream of glowing thanks the king interrupted her by informing her that she herself would find awaiting her in her own house still warmer thanks than he had a right to claim from her for probably at that moment the happy olivier was clasping his madelon in his arms bontemps shall pay you a thousand louis d'or concluded the king give them in my name to the little girl as a dowry let her marry her brusson who doesn't deserve such good fortune and then let them both be gone out of paris for such is my will la martiniere came running forward to meet her mistress and baptiste behind her the faces of both were radiant with joy both cried delighted he is here he is free oh the dear young people the happy couple threw themselves at mademoiselle's feet oh i knew it i knew it cried madelon i knew that you that nobody but you would save my darling olivier and oh my mother cried olivier my belief in you never wavered they both kissed the honoured lady's hands and shed innumerable tears then they embraced each other again and again affirming that the exquisite happiness of that moment outweighed all the unutterable sufferings of the days that were past and they vowed never to part from each other till death himself came to part them a few days later they were united by the blessing of the priest even though it had not been the king's wish Rousson would not have stayed in paris where everything would have reminded him of the fearful time of cardiac's crimes and where moreover some accident might reveal in pernicious wise his dark secret now become known to several persons and so his peace of mind might be ruined for ever almost immediately after the wedding he set out with his young wife for geneva mademoiselle's blessings accompanying them on the way richly provided with means through madelon's dowry and endowed with uncommon skill at his trade as well as with every virtue of a good citizen he led there a happy life free from care he realized the hopes which had deceived his father and had brought him at last to his grave a year after brusson's departure there appeared a public proclamation signed by harlois de chauvelin archbishop of paris and by the parliamentary advocate pierre arnaud d'andilly which ran to the effect that a penitent sinner had under the seal of confession handed over to the church a large and valuable store of jewels and gold ornaments which he had stolen 
everybody who up to the end of the year sixteen eighty had lost ornaments by theft particularly by a murderous attack in the public street was to apply to dundee and then if his description of the ornament which had been stolen from him tallied exactly with any of the pieces awaiting identification and if further there existed no doubt as to the legitimacy of his claim he should receive his property again many of those whose names stood on cardiac's list as having been not murdered but merely stunned by a blow gradually came one after the other to the parliamentary advocate and received to their no little amazement their stolen property back again the rest fell to the coffers of the church of st eustace end of part nine mademoiselle de scuderi a tale of the times of louis the fourteenth recording by expatriate in bangor maine